It's Megan and Hillary, and that was my um, welcome uh, intro to the third uh, series. Last what? Um, <laughs> mm. <laughs> the the third episode in our mini series of New Orleans that is part of our thirteen nights of Halloween. Did it? Got it. We Did made it. it through it. Yes. And this uh, episode, oh, oh. <laughs> Hillary's like, it's fucking late, Megan. Shut up and, and let me talk. This episode is all about, well, really it's about voodoo, but um, we are going to get into a little bit about the difference between voodoo and witches. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's pretty cool. Right up our alley. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no ad lib hillary's like okay cool time to go so let's start yeah we're really entertaining right now so with the nola episodes are actually recording all three in one night mm-hmm. and so we're on our third episode now in a row and so our brains are like, a little fried it's like uh 11 o'clock in hillary's place in hillary's world so it's not that late here so she's probably like tired you know long yeah day. 11 o'clock on a friday night what are you doing on a Friday Just night? Can't. <laughs> can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. I'm too old. Louisiana voodoo, also known as New Orleans voodoo, is described as a set of spiritual beliefs and practices developed from the traditions of the African culture in Louisiana. It is sometimes referred to as Mississippi Valley voodoo when referring to its historic popularity and development in the greater Mississippi Valley. Like so many things, New Orleans voodoo was then infused with the city's dominant religion, Catholicism, and became a voodoo-Catholicism hybrid, sometimes referred to as New Orleans voodoo. In New Orleans, for instance, Legba, the voodoo deity who controls the gates to the spiritual world, becomes St. Peter, who holds the keys to the gates of heaven. So, what is voodoo exactly? Jerry Gandolfo, a native, a native New Orleans, ooh, New Orleans, that New Orleans, fun, fun name. I'm a New Orleans. Okay, sorry, New Orleans. <laughs> Jerry Gandolfo, a native New Orleans whose family has run the voodoo museum, says if done right, the music should take possession of you. You won't be able to stand still, and if that happens, you are doing voodoo. He said. So, I guess we've all done a little voodoo in our lifetime. It's so interesting. When we went to New Orleans and went into a few voodoo shops, when we went into one, do you remember how weird that one shop was, though, about, like, anything you did? What was it you couldn't do? Mm-hmm. You couldn't take pictures. You couldn't, take you pictures. couldn't touch anything. Mm-hmm. You couldn't, 
I want to say you couldn't stand in one section too long. Yeah. Like, you had to, like, move. Keep moving. They were like, mm-hmm. if you take photos, you're disturbing the uh, spirits that were there. It was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was interesting. And there was, like, these... It, I mean, there was good vibes in the place. Like, I yeah, I really enjoyed it. I didn't it. feel, like, wigged out or... Like, you weren't a segue going in a circle in the middle of the room. <laughs> That wasn't a segue. I didn't feel uncomfortable, but it was just really interesting because they were, like, watching you like hawks. Like, don't touch that. Don't do that. Don't go over there. Stop touching the shrine. Like, whoa. Never been part of that Maybe don't touch any shrine, but... Yeah. Well, don't touch a shrine. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Heard it here first, (laughs) y'all. You can just skip ahead to your line. Voodoo is one of the most feared and most misunderstood religions ever. In the late 1700s and into the 1800s, there was such a fear of the power of voodoo in New Orleans that the church actually banned it from being practiced within city limits. The numbers or accounts of people being arrested for voodoo rival than for voodoo rival that of the number of Salem witch trials. Wow, that was hard. <laughs> However, we all know that the people convicted of witchcraft in Salem ultimately found gruesome, untimely death penalties, while those that practiced voodoo in New Orleans more often than not found a way to mysteriously escape. It's really interesting, though. Mm-hmm. It was pretty interesting. Voodoo and, like, mm-hmm. the whole witch thing is very... Witchcraft is very interesting. So, I guess it's time for my story. Mm-hmm. Um, so, some people might think, is there really a difference between voodoo and witchcraft, or is it all the same? It's all just a little bit of hocus pocus, right? Wrong. Although there are some similarities, um, before we step into the realm of voodoo queens and high priestesses, I wanted to dive into the history of it. Um, Voodoo is a mixture of Catholicism, like we had said before, and voodoo faith says that there is one God, the creator of the universe, subordinate to this God are the Laos, which are lesser deities who act as messengers between the practitioner of voodoo and God. Because of Hollywood films, we all think that magic is the primary part of voodoo, but it's actually not. Um, It's actually a really deep religious religion. I don't know how to say that properly, but um, because of Hollywood, we think it's just like magic all the time, but it's really actually not. Mm Mm-hmm. There are voodooists capable of casting hexes. Some followers make herbal remedies and magical potions, and some are even clairvoyant. The most important part of voodoo is the actual voodoo religious ceremonies. After starting out slowly, the voodooists work themselves up, like we had said earlier, into a spiritual and religious friendly using such things as dance, music, and liquor to help them uh, help inspire them. In some ceremonies, especially those staged for high-paying tourists, sex and drugs are also used. We're going to go into some, not detail, but some (laughs) things to avoid if you go to New Orleans and that whole topic. Eventually, some of the voodoo followers are possessed by the Laos. The Laos are then said to, quote, ride a horse while being possessed or, quote, ridden, the voodooist, the horse may speak in tongues, make predictions, and give advice, write on the ground, handle poisonous snakes, work, work magical spells, etc. There is much similarity here to such Christian sects. There is much similarity here to such Christianity and the so-called holy rollers, the snake handlers, the shakers, and some charismatic sects. Although voodoo started in the Caribbean, 
Caribbean? We got into this before. Caribbean. It got a foothold <laughs> in New Orleans, and from there, it has spread to virtually all major cities in the U.S. Now, a little bit about witchcraft. Contrary to popular belief, witchcraft has nothing to do with Satanism or devil worship, and is actually a remnant of pre-Christian religion. There isn't just one structure to witchcraft or one way to do it, but many believe that there is a single, unknowable godhead which can be approached through its manifestations as a god or a goddess. But there are witches who actually only believe in goddesses. There isn't a god, just goddesses. Now some modern witchcraft traditions. Hereditary witchcraft, wherein the ways of the craft happen in the family lineage. That's why a lot of people may think like, oh, I think my great-grandma was a witch and I feel like I'm one. That's that. Dianic Wicca, wherein the goddess is exalted and there is no male aspect of, uh, to divinity in the covens. Group of worships may consist only of women. Traditional witchcraft, wherein the ways of the craft have been man, uh, maintained by the coven lineage. There are many types of traditional witches. Only a few types are listed below due to time constraints, you could say. Some examples are the Celtic. They trace their heritage back to ancient Celts. Nordic, they trace their heritage back to ancient Norse religion. Druidic, they trace their heritage back to Druids of ancient England. There's literally so many different strands of witchcraft, and I think it kind of relates back to how there's so many different strands of religion, period. Um, I feel like Mm -hmm. with with voodoo, just like you said, people think that, or not think, but there's Louisiana voodoo, there's the New Orleans voodoo, there's the Mississippi blank voodoo kind of thing. Um, witchcraft is primarily religion. There are many holidays in witchcraft, most of which have been taken over by Christianity. In a similar fashion, many pagan gods become Christianized as saints, witches are healers, counselors, and clairvoyants. As part of the faiths of the witches, most followers believe and perform magic, just as Catholics believe in transubstantiation. And just as the wine and the wafer become blood and flesh, so too does magic work for the witch. Magic takes time. It comes about through natural laws. If you cast a love spell, it does not mean that your intended will rush to your door, only that he or she will become more enamored with you. If it did happen instantly, that would be a miracle. Witches work magic, not miracles. (laughs) Magic is one aspect of the religion of witchcraft. Witches do not work, quote, black magic because of two basic witch laws, which most witches accept, which, which, which. The first sin, harm none, do what thou wilt. To a witch, this means among the more obvious interpretations that you can work magic if nobody is hurt. Nobody. The second reason is witches don't do, quote, black magic because of general, um, because of general witch belief in the karmic threefold law. Whatever you do magically will come back to you three times over. Be foolish to do something that would hurt someone if you knew that you were going to face the same thing, only three times more powerfully. It is important to briefly mention how witchcraft became mixed up with Satanism in the minds of many people. Many pagans, from the Latin word meaning uh, country dweller, in ancient Rome used to worship Pan. I love how things go back and relate to like past episodes. Mm-hmm. The funny, loving, sadder, and fertility god frequently pictured playing the pipes and type of wind instrument. Remember, witchcraft and voodoo groups that are real are also not easy to find. You may first run into some false groups out to pick your pocket, satisfy the ego of the leader, 
or involve you in unwanted sexual activities. So be wary of when you're going to New Orleans and you're looking for a group of witches or voodooists to hang out with. You're probably not going to find one. They're Mm-mm. probably all fakes. So just be smart. Now, to what we're here to actually talk about, some voodooists and some witches. <laughs> When you think of New Orleans and you think of voodoo, usually your mind comes up with Marie Laveau. At least that's where my mind immediately goes to when I think of voodoo. We've already touched based on this show before, but American Horror Story does feature Marie Laveau in its episodes. Marie Marie Laveau was a Louisiana Creole who practiced voodoo and would be known as the voodoo queen. Historical records say Marie was born a free woman of color during the colonial New Orleans, what is now the French Quarter. She was born to Charles Trudeau, who was the illegitimate son of Charles Laveau Trudeau and surveyor and politician, and Marguerite Henry. Both of her parents were free people of color. Marie married a man named Jacques Paris. He passed away in 1820, and there is no documentation of his death, though the baptismal record of Felice... I'll, I'll edit this one. Okay. Though the baptismal record of Felicit declared him to be deceased, this time the two daughters they had, Felicit and Angel, disappeared from records. So when he died, they also disappear off of records. What we do know for certain is that Marie called herself the Widow Paris for the remaining years of her life. After her husband's death, she began relations with a man named Christophe Dominique Dumini de Lapion. Supposedly, they had 15 children, but it is hard to say if this includes grandchildren, but they did have seven whose records can be traced back. And this is really interesting because it does mention the two girls before, so I... But you'll see a, a common occurrence with the names. They were Francois, Marie, Louise, Marie Angelie, Celestine Albert, Archange, Felicite, Marie Philemon and Marie Heloise. I'm not French, okay? <laughs> <laughs> apparently, in uh, apparently in Marie Laveau's culture, it is normal for um, the mother to pass down the first name. So their first name is mm-hmm. like the mother's given name, and then the middle name, which is why the breasts are different, is their actual like name. It's kind of interesting. You usually see that with like. Henry the Third, Henry the Fourth, kind of thing, but not with girls. Mm-hmm. Marie started a beauty parlor where she was a hairdresser to those who had money. It's not very clear how Marie Laveau rose to her throne as voodoo queen, but a theory is that she trained under the guidance of a senate deity, the first voodoo queen in New Orleans, and Marie Salop, a hexbreaker. She was also said to be a student of Dr. John, who we will learn a little bit more later. Congo Square was a place where she would often gather with her followers. She would sell her grizz-grizz bags and offer advice to the community. Here, legends started about her conjuring the great serpent spirits and becoming filled with the spirit of the Laos. Now, a lot of history Marie Laveau is tangled with her daughter Marie II. Some people believe Marie II was the one who actually owned the hair shop, not her mother. As Marie Laveau was growing older, her daughter and her did what was called a shady switch. The likeness in the Marie... The likeness of Marie II was so close to her mother, it led the community to believe that Marie Laveau was not aging at all. This is one reason why people believed her powers were so strong. 
Marie II, though, was a bit more wicked than her mother. She carried herself confidently. One thing we talked about early with witchcraft was that they didn't delve into black magic, but apparently Marie II delved a lot into, mm-hmm. like, dark voodoo, which is mm. not a good thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On June 15, 1881, Marie Laveau died peacefully in her cottage on St. Anne Street, just shy of her 80th birthday. Her tomb is the most visited tomb in all of New Orleans cemeteries. Unfortunately, not everyone that visits her tomb are respectful. Because of this, tourists are no longer allowed to enter St. Louis' number one cemetery without a licensed tour guide. It is said that the Voodoo Queen's ghost still roams her cottage and has been seen at their at her tomb. One infamous ghost encounter took place during the Great Depression. As the story goes, a homeless man fell asleep on top of the tomb in the cemetery. But shortly after falling asleep, he suddenly awoke to the banging of drums and eerie chanting. He happened upon the tomb of Marie, where he encountered the ghosts of nude men and women dancing around the tomb. In the center, it was Marie and her boa zombie. A man named Elmore Banks had another experience near St. Louis Cemetery No. 1. In the mid-1930s, when an old woman came into the drugstore where he was a customer, for some reason she left the proprietor feeling frightened. As he quickly proceeded to run off the back of the store, the woman laughing... The woman laughingly asked Elmore Banks, Don't you know me? To which Banks replied, No, ma'am. The woman, angered by his answer, slapped him across the face. She then jumped up in the air, levitated out the door, and over the top of the telephone wires, the air just kicked on. I just felt a breeze. It was terrifying. (laughs) When she passed over the graveyard wall to St. Louis Cemetery No. 1, she vanished into thin air. As you might imagine, Binks was terrified, and the sight of the levitating woman left him passed out cold. He was revived by the store proprietor, who gave him whiskey and informed him that was Marie Laveau. We'll go up to some whiskey. Oh my gosh. What are you saying? I can't imagine just seeing that. Seeing her. Yeah. And <laughs> just being like, oh, no big deal. Here's some whiskey. My story is about Dr. John, who um, Marie Laveau was actually his protege. So he came a little bit before and he kind of taught her some of the things that she knew and put into practice. And Dr. John specialized in fortune telling healing and making gris gris dolls, which are more commonly known as voodoo dolls. His house was filled with snakes, lizards, toads, scorpions, and human skulls that he stole from graveyards. He had 15 wives and over 50 Jesus. children. What? People why? of every... I, I don't know. I don't know why anybody would want 50 kids, but... I don't know. He got them. <laughs> People of every color, culture, and religion came to him for advice, love potions, and the placing or lifting of curses. Others followed his commands just straight out of fear because they felt like he was so powerful. Most of his wisdom did not come from the spirits because he had a huge network of servants that he would place all over town. And they either brought him information or he bought the information from them so when people especially like young women of the town would come to him and ask like if their lovers were faithful he would have a little background knowledge on the situation because he's been paying people to run around town and talk to people he was known as a healer and sick patients were brought to him daily and in some cases they were nearly dead dr john healed so many people like so close to death and honestly he possibly brought people back from the dead 
that the word of zombies started flowing through the streets of NOLA, New Orleans. One particular thing that repeatedly happened in New Orleans were stones or rocks would fall like rain on the roofs of people's houses. And they considered this event to be cursed or like a poltergeist. And Dr. John would, of course, remedy the terror. Dr. John would, of course, remedy the terror for a small convenience fee. One case of falling rocks was on the roof of the home of Samuel Wilson. Wilson reportedly paid Dr. John $62 to stop the falling stones, and later he took Dr. John to court to retrieve his $62. A few days after court, the rocks and the stones began falling on Samuel Wilson's house again, so he shouldn't have taken Dr. John to court. Dr. John quickly became rich from his talents and services. It is astounding that he was able to become so rich despite the fact that he was unable to read, write, or even sign his name. No matter how wealthy Dr. John became, he never forgot about the poor. He often gave food to the needy and helped the less fortunate. Even though he was an empathetic person who made money off his gifts and some trickery, he was not a great businessman. First of all, he didn't trust banks. He thought banks were in the business of stealing people's money, so he assumed that if he placed his money in a bank, he would never see it again. And he didn't invest wisely, and he also had 15 wives, and they kept leaving him and taking some of his assets each time. And here's the kicker. This man, at one point in his life, he was just very, very rich, especially for the time that it was. And since he didn't trust banks, he decided to bury his money in his backyard, and he lost it. At the time, he buried $150,000, which is a lot of money, but then I went and like did the inflation calculator to see how much the $150,000 would be worth today, and it would have been worth roughly $2.97 million. However, since it was so long ago, money was also backed by gold back then. So when you add that into the equation, gold back then was worth about $18 per ounce. Today, it's worth about $1,500 per ounce. So today, the $150,000 would be like burying and losing $15 million in your backyard. At this point, Dr. John, also known as Bayou John, decided to learn how to sign his name. He felt like it was important, and after many hours of practice, he learned. This inevitably led him into being conned, and he signed his name at the end of a long paper, which gave all his Bayou property to the con man. He ended up very poor when he died because he lost most of his money or he was conned out of his property, and he moved into a very small shack with his wife, or possibly his ex-wife, and one of his sons, and he spent the remainder of his days there, and he ended up passing away four years after Marie Laveau. What a crazy, like, life. Time? Yeah. He's Mm -hmm. rich. He's not rich. He's rich. He loses $150,000 or the equivalent of $15 million. He Mm -hmm. finally figures out how to figure out how to sign his name and is conned out of all of his belongings and then has to go live with his possibly ex-wife yeah <laughs> Jeez. it's just like a roller coaster poor john 
Yeah, and possibly, I don't know, created zombies. Yeah, that's also crazy. What the heck? So now New Orleans has ghosts, witches, voodoo, pirates, vampires, zombies. And freaking alligators. And alligators. Crocodiles. (laughs) The swamp. And the swamp. Yes. Creatures in the swamp. Creatures in the swamp. Mm-hmm. And the flooding. And the flooding. And the freaking the yellow bodies fever. coming out of the ground because they're floating, floating in the yellow fever. The pop-up bodies. <laughs> New Orleans. And the fires. And the oh fires. Wow. Maybe New Orleans is actually Jesus. the true gate to hell. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. Who knows? I w- I'm not surprised. It is the city of the dead. Mm-hmm. Okay, so quickly, I'm going to go over some witches in New Orleans because we did hit on some voodoo and I talked about witches earlier in the episode. We also want to go back and just connect all the dots and hit on some witches because there are witches in New Orleans. Mary Aniata was an American occultist and the founder and high priestess of the Religious Order of Witchcraft. The Religious Order of Witchcraft was founded on Candlemas in 1972. The order is the first legally recognized church of witchcraft in the state of Louisiana and focuses on training aspiring witches in spiritual enlightenment, the occult sciences, and esoteric magical practices that they may master the arts of witchcraft and properly apply their knowledge. She is a bohemian mystic who came to New Orleans in 1968 from Meridian, Mississippi. Priestess Mary was a practicing white witch, white meaning that she didn't practice black magic or dark arts. Though there are articles written by members of her, quote, inner circle that claim something different. In 1971, she opened the Witches' Workshop at 521 St. Philip Street in the French Quarter. She sold candles, sprays, oils, and even a few things that were a bit more specific, like bat, like bat hearts, which are said to be great for those who like to gamble. In 1972, uh, in a 1972 interview with the journalist Horace Sutton, she explained it's important to sell people the whole dried bat so they can be confident it's the real thing and not some old chicken heart. A witch with integrity. Hmm. In the footsteps of Marie Laveau, Priestess Mary held ceremonies on the shore of a lake. The city of New Orleans granted her a permit to conduct rituals and ceremonies in City Park. Isn't that crazy that the city of New Orleans actually granted her permission to do these, like, ceremonies and rituals? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was extremely particular who could join her coven. She wasn't interested in drug-abusing hippies that had found their way into an alternative lifestyle. If you are an American Horror Story fan, you may have caught a reference to Mary during the coven season. And if you don't remember her name being mentioned, you surely remember the infamous Madame Delphine Lalaurie. Wow, I can say that one. Thanks, American Horror Story. (laughs) Mary held a seance at the LaLaurie mansion and claimed to make contact with the infamous notorious Madame LaLaurie. LaLaurie. Today, tickets to be a part of Madame LaLaurie's seance would sell out in a record time. Apparently, there's a there's a scene in American Horror Story where they're like walking in the French Quarter, and one of the girls goes, "Yeah, they're studying that." Uh, at Toops whatever place kind of thing. Like, they're part of Toops Coven. Mm. So, that's that's what I was talking about. To many, Mary Aniata Toops is the most powerful witch to have practiced in New Orleans. She educated, educated herself in many religious... 
She educated herself in many religions of the world, interpreting and applying scripture from religious texts, including the Bible, into her studies and practice. Her Western ceremonial magic was stepped in, steeped in tradition as well as heavily influenced by Aliester Crowley's Hermetic Order of Golden Dawn, but the core of her beliefs and crafts she prompted actively being your best through knowledge and harnessing your power for good, even if her means of good could be perceived as on the fringe. In 1977, a mummified severed head was found in a trash bin of her, abandoning a cult shop. When she was questioned about the head, Mary explained that she was a practitioner of Egyptian magic and a witch. She threw the head away because she could feel it had bad vibrations. Obviously, <laughs> Mary wasn't concerned with consequences. Perhaps she knew there would be none. She had a freaking head in the trash can and said, yep, bad vibrations, threw it away. That's crazy. Wow. Marianiana Tubes passed away in September of 1981. So... If you try to find her information of her obituary or burial information, good luck. Current members of New Orleans Religious Order of Witchcraft says she was taken at the young age of 53 by a brain tumor. Famous New Orleans musicians and the night tripper himself, Dr. John, claims in his autobiography that Mary died from her enemies poisoning her like a true witch. She left this world with a little mystery, a little curiosity, and a lot of reverence. There's actually, like, as you were reading that, my first question was going to be, is she still alive? I know, it's kind of sad, but there is another um, uh, high priestess in New Orleans currently. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Neat. Which is interesting. I wonder if there's a voodoo Mm -hmm. queen right now in New Orleans. There has to be. There has to be. (laughs) Has to be. I want to go down to New Orleans and just do, like, voodoo stuff, like... Just go to voodoo bars. Just go to voodoo shops. Just go on like voodoo. Yeah, tours I kind of wish like... we we only I only remember going into like one voodoo shop. I wish we would have gone mm-hmm. into like more voodoo stuff because that was yeah. exciting and fun to me. It was like the spooky voodoo. It's so interesting. It's so interesting. The history there is really really interesting. I would totally go mm-hmm. on the same tours that we went on again for sure. Oh, absolutely. And listen to the same absolutely. people again because it was just so intriguing. Yeah. The time before we went, um, we did a bus a bus tour. So, um we we did more square footage of the city and we even went like out and we even went to the lake where um I just blanked. Your story. Where Marie Laveau Marie does Laveau. Her. Mm-hmm. We went there. So, that was cool to see. Um, so, yeah. Definitely do a bus tour, too. There's so much back. history. I want to go back and stay for, like, a week. I've only done weekend trips. Yeah. And it'd be cool to stay, like, actually in, like, the French Quarter. And, like, one of the old-timey. Mm-hmm. Maybe not on Bourbon yep. Street, because Bourbon Street is freaking crazy. Too much. Yeah, we stayed, like, one block over from Bourbon Street. So that was nice. We could just walk wherever. Well, yeah, we finished well, our is... New Orleans. Yeah, and the thing to watch for this episode is basically just American Horror Story Coven. Pretty much the whole season. American Horror Story <laughs> Coven will get you through um, all of what we just talked about, and also 
all 13 days of Halloween because yep. I think we've talked about it <laughs> in every episode. <laughs> yes, because it's fantastic. Yeah. So thank you guys for listening to us. We really appreciate and it. And be sure and let us know what you want to hear. You can message us on Instagram or shoot us an email at moreboozeplease at gmail.com with any urban legends or themes you want us to cover. Be sure and send those emails to moreboozeplz at gmail.com. We love to get listener stories and we can't wait to share them soon. So if you have any voodoo or witch experiences of your own, please send them our way. We are so intrigued. If you know anybody who is practicing we voodoo right so now intrigued. in New Orleans, we we need to know. So please tell us. I like the way you said that. That was funny. Um, <laughs> yes. You tell us what you want out of this podcast. But while you're waiting on the next episode, be sure to check us. Check out. Be sure to check us check out <laughs> on Facebook and Instagram at More Booze Please. If you can't tell, we're delirious. We just recorded for like two hours straight. <laughs> we're like, peace mm-hmm. out. Bye. Yes, but not just yet. Before we peace out, bye. You can also like and review us on Apple Podcasts. The more reviews we get, the higher on the charts we climb. The more spooky voodoo stories you get to hear. Mm -hmm. And until next time.